From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. We can see that illuminated sign that marks the end of the journey. This vaccine will help us get past this pandemic once and for all. We need people to have faith that this vaccine is safe and that they should take it. The thing that's going to stop us from seeing the end of this pandemic are people going, oh, I'm not so sure. Hello, you're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Roger Hearing. And a very good afternoon. I'm Caroline Hepke. Now, the Prime Minister is urging us all to take this next step out of lockdown with a heavy dose of caution. Some experts have called for the easing of restrictions to be delayed amid a surge in infections of the Indian COVID variant. Well, the Health Secretary, Matt Hancock, says there's a high degree of confidence vaccines work against the variant, but he urges people to be careful. This is from the labs. It's not clinical data and it is very early. But it does give us a degree of confidence that the vaccines work against this Indian variant. But it is clearly more transmissible. Well, this comes as millions of people across the country are enjoying new freedoms today and the biggest easing yet of the virus restrictions. Well, for many, it means hugging friends and family again, eating inside restaurants or going to the cinema. Six people or two households can also gather indoors. There are changes for travel, too, with a green list of countries able to welcome tourists from England and Wales again. Well, one place where the celebrations over this loosening of restrictions may be rather more muted today is Bolton. Now, the town has been at the centre of outbreaks of the Indian virus variant that's causing most concern for government and health officials. The Health Secretary, Matt Hancock, said yesterday a local lockdown in Bolton had not been ruled out. Vaccinations are being pushed very hard there. More than 6,200 got the jab over the weekend, but before the push, 10,000 people there had not been vaccinated. Well, joining us now is Yasmin Qureshi, who's Labour MP for Bolton South East. Yasmin, thank you for being with us uh, uh, on the programme. Let me ask you, first of all, how is the vaccination process going in Bolton at the moment? Well, it's going better now, but initially uh, it was a bit of a slow process. Uh, within my constituencies are three PCNs, uh, one, two, and three. And the, um, the the people who were rolling it out, the contracts to roll out the vaccination, they started with one place in the town centre, which many people had difficulty getting to. On a bus, it would take about an hour and a half from one end of my constituency, possibly even two, to get there. Um, and there was only about four or five vaccinators in place at one time. So clearly, um, you know, not as many people that could have vaccinated got vaccinated. I then actually spoke to my local clinical commissioning group as well as the contractors and said, look, we need to have more sites within the communities, within, you know, places of worship, in community centres, wedding venues, which a lot of them are very big locations. Mm -hmm. big premises where you could have a permanent fixed 
uh, vaccination centres that people can come into. Okay. Uh, I'm afraid that that took a long time to happen, and even now there isn't a permanent site. But what they did start doing was pop-up sites, and more recently there was this um, temporary site which is set up over the weekend, a massive one, and people turned up to get vaccinated. So a lot okay. of it has been about access to it, or uh, and a lot of people, a lot of the contact has been done by phones, uh, mobile phones, and. Sadly, that many people in my constituency who are financially not very uh, sound and they don't have a lot of money, and even their phones, right? They're on like you know on on the sort of fixed tariff where they basically put in the money as and when they need it. Um, so there's been a lot of issues, but now that it's coming more into the centres, now that the uh, more and more pop-up centres are coming up, you know the ad hoc clinics, the take-up has been a lot higher. Okay. Um, interesting to hear about that and about, um, as you mentioned, PCN, the primary care network and how it actually um, is rolled out on the ground. But I also want to ask you why Bolton is at the centre of this variant outbreak in your view. Okay, so uh, there are other places in the country as well which has got this variant, but it is right that we've got it more than perhaps others. And I think it's a lot to do with what's been happening over the year, uh, that you will notice certain parts of the country get to, or certain areas in the country get a higher spike. And that's a lot to do with, I think, the social and economic issues relating to those areas. So the areas where I've got the highest spike in my constituency are where you have more, you know, you have at least three generations living in one household. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of people who are on what's called zero-hour contracts. Uh, a lot of people on insecure contracts, a lot of people on temporary contracts. And you see, for this whole thing to work properly, you need to be able to do the isolation, self-isolation properly. I've had concessions write to me to say, for example, you know, if the children come home with the COVID or the, and they've got to self-isolate for 10 days, and they're written to me saying, well... I know that if I don't go to work tomorrow, my employer is going to dismiss me. Or if I do go back, uh, or, or when I do go back, I'm not going to get paid for it. Uh, or it's going to make life difficult for me. So the incentive to self-isolate isn't there as much. Um, and therefore, for example, they want to introduce all these testing twice a week. But there might be a lot of people reluctant to do that because you know they don't want to be losing their jobs. And no, the government talks about the fact that, oh, there is money available. Actually, there isn't. And I've written to the government so many times and raised this matter that they're going to make a very easy way of being able to tell these people that, look, if you do self-isolate, you know, you have got to, um, uh, um, you, will be re- comp- you will be compensated. Now, I'm not saying for one minute people have gone out and uh, not obeyed the self-isolation, but I think... That explains the reluctance of possibly some people to actually take the test, which you need to do. Also, you have to understand this. Apart from the fact that there's a lot of intergenerational households living, a lot of these houses are small. Secondly, a lot of these people are not uh, what you call white-collar workers. They can't work from home. Whereas all of these people are having to go out to so work, either in the factories, either you, in hospitals, using public transport. Do you think that then so, there is enough coverage at the moment? I mean, you complained about there not being enough um, centres for vaccination. 
do you think that now there is enough coverage and you can actually get the vaccination level up more quickly? Well, they had these big sites done recently, which did, uh, you know, um, led to a higher uh, take up of the vaccination. However, we still haven't got what I call large permanent vaccination centres yet in my constituency, despite the fact that even a few days ago when I was speaking to the public health minister uh, and people from NHS England, where I said, look, we still need a permanent community centre. Because what we don't, because what will happen with those permanent sites is that large one that you can probably vaccinate about, you know, eight, 900 people a day. Whereas one thing that did happen with the recent uh, ad hoc uh, uh, centres that were set up, which are very well organised and, you know, I have to give great credit to the people who put it together. And I want to thank all the volunteers who actually helped in all this, you know, the marshals and the St. John's Ambulance Brigade. But it did lead to massive queues, like at one time two and a half hour queues. Yeah. Now, if this was like a permanent site, we wouldn't have that. People would be able to come in maybe half an hour wait, maybe 40 minutes wait, get jabbed and go. But because this okay. was a one-off, yeah, so we g- still need those permanent sites, yes. Yasmin, let me ask you another issue, which which I, I, your party has highlighted, which is the timing of the closure of um, the borders, if you like, to people from, from India and Pakistan. Now, obviously, Bolton has strong connections, uh, community connections to the subcontinent, and, and this is a, a variant that people think came in from India. Do you think that link is part of the problem? Yes, it is. I mean, Boris Johnson, right, um, knew all this was happening, but because he was so determined to get a deal, or rather didn't want to offend the Indians, especially Mr Modi, that he went ahead and actually put the country in danger. And I I hold him, to be honest, completely responsible. I mean, if I hope that this event doesn't spread, but if what Professor Whitty was saying and some of the others, that it may be, and it might become more predominant, then I think the Prime Minister should be held, held accountable for it. And that's not the only thing he should be held accountable for. There's a number of decisions he's made which um, he should be held accountable. For example, in December and in October, when we suggested a tougher lockdown, mm. and he didn't, and that led to a massive spike. Well, speaking of which, um, are you concerned that there will be a new local lockdown there now as a result? Well, I hope not. And I can tell you one thing, that people in my constituency and I will be fighting vigorously against this. And, you know, at the beginning of your conversation, you said there were celebrations in Bolton might be muted. Actually, no, people are really looking forward to being able to have a bit of normality in their lives and being able to see, you know, their family and others. And, and you know, and, and because one of the things is these local lockdowns, one thing has shown don't actually work because all that happens is people just go to another area. And our economy in my constituency and in my area is suffered and the people in this, you know, so I don't see, I, I really don't see local lockdown as being the solution. I think what we should have had is, you know, a proper rollout of the vaccination in the first place so that people who are able to be, who were difficult groups to reach, yeah. um, should have been reached, that this should be done in the first place. And they sh- what they should have been doing was providing, as I was saying, ability for people, uh, allowing people to be able to self-isolate properly. 
which they weren't able to, and even now. Uh, and you know, and, and it's not like this the government doesn't know this, they did. Yeah. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Let's have a look at what else is making news in the world of politics. Now, we begin with Brexit, as the government's proposing to phase in new Irish sea border checks on food products in four stages from October. The details are contained in Northern Ireland Protocol Roadmap, shared with the EU, which has been seen by the BBC. The protocol is the part of the Brexit deal, of course, which creates the trade border between Great Britain and Northern Ireland. In March, the UK delayed introducing some new border processes without the EU agreement, and that led to the EU starting legal proceedings against the UK. So that on Brexit. Meanwhile, police are continuing to investigate a number of alleged anti-Semitic incidents across England. Four men have been arrested by police investigating a video appearing to show anti-Semitic abuse being shouted from a car in North London. The Housing Secretary, Robert Jenrick, says this is completely unacceptable. Whatever your view is on the conflict in Israel and Gaza right now, there is no excuse whatsoever for the disgusting scenes of anti-Semitism that we've witnessed. These scenes must not be repeated and we'll do everything we can to protect Jewish people across the country. Uh, Robert Jenrick speaking. Well, talking to Bloomberg earlier today, the London Mayor, Sadiq Khan, said that he has spoken to the Met Police Chief Cressida Dick about the issue and that Londoners will see high visibility police patrols in coming weeks. Meanwhile, the Manchester Mayor, Andy Burnham's somewhat unsubtle observer interview, which he made it clear he wants to be Labour leader, hasn't gone down very well with the party. Labour insiders told Politico Burnham lost two leadership elections, distanced himself from trade unions as a leadership candidate and abstained on the welfare bill in 2015 before walking away from Parliament. A Labour source said, well, a Labour source went as far as to say, quote, it takes a special kind of arrogance that you'd only get from a dyed-in-the-wool Westminster politician. He clearly just sees Manchester as a stepping stone all along. Now, let's uh, continue our conversation about the uh, reopening. England and Wales are reopening hotels, gyms, theatres, restaurants and cinemas for indoor activities today. Plus, some international travel becomes easier for the small green list of countries. But Boris Johnson and other ministers continue to warn the public to be cautious. There is concern about the spread of the highly transmissible Indian coronavirus variant and whether that could delay stage four of the government's roadmap due on the 20th. 21st of June. Well, I'm pleased to say joining us now is Professor Christina Pargel from the University College London. She's also a member of the Independent Sage Group. Professor, welcome to the programme. What do we know, first of all, about the Indian strain in terms of contagiousness, potency, morbidity? How worried should we be? I mean, one of the the problems is that we still don't know nearly enough. Um, We've seen it become dominant in India and is likely partly behind the enormous surge they've had there. But we don't know the specifics. So we don't know exactly how much more transmissible it is. We don't know if it causes more severe illness. We don't know much about how the vaccines react against it. So unfortunately, we still don't know that much. We, do, we are almost certain 
but it is more transmissible than our current dominant variant, which is known as the Kent variant. So that's the what that's I think the thing we're most sure of. But that's but, about it. But we we certainly don't know. Just to be absolutely clear on this at the moment, that it is more resistant to vaccines. There's no evidence of that. We we're quite sure that the vaccines will help protect against severe illness. So that's good news. But um, the one of the chief people on JCVI, which is the government vaccination committee, said this weekend that it does seem certain that it, that vaccinated people can transmit this variant more easily than they can the Kent variant, which means it's harder to keep infections down because it can go through vaccinated people, even if it doesn't make them sick. So that's kind of like good news and bad news together. You see what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I do. So what's the point then of telling people to be cautious, but then allowing people to make their own judgment about what that means? Well, I don't think there is much point. <laughs> so so the, the thing is, it seems to me that all the things that came out last week, so we had the, the SAGE models showing that a more transmissible variant could cause a surge that overwhelms hospitals just as much as it did in January, even if the vaccines work equally well. We had the SAGE minutes released Thursday night showing that, that they think it's, it's a real problem and a real threat and that there should be kind of quick action. And we've had people, you know, we've had government ministers saying, oh, we have to be careful, we have to be careful. So it seems to me that everybody kind of knows that we shouldn't be doing it but they can't quite bring themselves not to open. That's how it feels to me. So if you were making the decision about reopening today, you wouldn't? Yeah. No, if, 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 it, was, if it was up to me, which it isn't, I, I would delay it simply because we don't yet know enough. We hopefully will know more very soon. Unfortunately, all the data um, is likely to come from us because we have much better sequencing than they do in India. And we're, you know, we have the most cases outside of India in the world that we know of. And it just feels as if, if we're wrong, and reopening does lead to many, many more cases, which is what Sage seems to think will happen, then we're in a much worse situation in a few weeks' time. Whereas if we don't open, and it turns out it's all right, then we can open, and we've lost a couple of weeks, but it's not, but we're not in a terrible situation. So that's kind of, that's kind of how I see it. Yeah, so the risk-benefit analysis to you doesn't make sense. Well, what about the government's argument, which is, for example, that they're rolling out the vaccine to people aged 35 and over this week, they get to speed things up. Is that enough? And the more people who are vaccinated, better. Absolutely. So um, there's no doubt that in the medium term, that is the right strategy. But don't forget, you know, it takes two weeks before you see any real effect from vaccination. Um, and then we know that two doses gives you much more protection than one dose and that's you know several several weeks down the line so in the meantime that's not going to be enough to prevent quite a nasty surge so yes definitely that's the right strategy but it doesn't mean it's fine to open today well christine let me put to you one of the the lines that i've certainly heard which is people saying hang on a second we've got the vaccines out to majority of the adult population to most of the people at risk as far as we know of, of severe cases or, or death uh Every time the, a variant comes along, and we've been told there are going to be more and more variants, it's just going to keep coming, we can't every time go back to a, a lockdown when this happens. We can't completely reverse out of our economy every time this happens going forward. It seems forever. No, but it's not forever. So once you have you know, a much higher proportion of your population vaccinated than we do now, you know, we're, we're well on the way, but we're not there yet then it's much, much harder for any new variant to spread. So, for instance, Israel is seeing this now with very, very low cases and 
something like more than 80% of adults fully vaccinated and they started vaccinating teenagers, which will help them even more. Um, but it's this summer, right? So, so they're making new booster vaccines right now that will be able to tackle the variants. In fact, they're trying to make a vaccine that will tackle any, any potential variants of COVID. So it's this summer that we have to worry about. And unfortunately, we're stuck now, it seems, with this, with this new variant. But we can prevent the importation of new variants. I think having international travel this summer is, quite frankly, bonkers because they are kind of coming up all over the place. We don't have to bring them in. You know, we could have a quarantine system and say, actually, this summer, let's sit tight, keep vaccinating, open up internally without these new variants being around, and we'll mm. be in a much better position come next year. So it's, it's not about it doing forever. It's just literally this year while the world is vaccinating. Mm. But the airline industry, travel and tourism, um, you know, is putting the case to the government to add more countries to the green list. They see no problems in sort of reopening. I mean, the boss of BA, for example, wants the US to be added to the green list. Michael O'Leary, that Roger and I were speaking to just this morning, the boss of Ryanair, is fully expecting European destinations like Italy and Spain and the beaches to be open. I was talking about, you know, things virtually being back to normal this summer across Europe for the summer holidays. Well, I mean, I'm not surprised the travel industry wants to open. I mean, it's been a horrible year for them. I, I would personally prefer not to do it and provide them a lot more government support through that period. I think ultimately it's cheaper to support one industry, which is the travel industry, than to support all industries, which we do if we end up with another lockdown in two months. I mean, that's that's the risk. So, you know, if, if the risk is you open up and then and then we're back, and having a massive surge back with hospitals overwhelmed, back locked into our houses, then how is that worth it? it I, to me, it's just not worth it at all. Are we going to get back to a point, do you think, where we can say, OK, those who haven't, for whatever reason, had the vaccines that are available, you, you've made your choice, you now live with that choice, and we go back to normal and we simply accept that there will be a level of, of injury, of hospitalisation, of death, perhaps much like we get with a seasonal flu, and we accept that position. But it's not just the unvaccinated that end up in hospital, firstly. So we've seen, like, in Bolton right now, Matt Hancock said there were 18 people in hospital with COVID. 12 haven't been vaccinated, but five have had one dose and one person's had two doses. So although you're much less likely to end in hospital, it's not perfect. The more COVID is around, the more likely that is to affect vaccinated people as well. Secondly, if hospitals end up pretty full with unvaccinated people, then they're full for everybody. You can't, it will affect the kind of treatments they can offer to everybody. Um, and secondly, there are some people who literally can't get vaccinated, whether because of health conditions or because they're not eligible, like children, um, or for other reasons. You know, it's, it's not just about people choosing not to, right? I mean, there, there are reasons people haven't been or cannot get the vaccine. So isn't it much better to try and reach out to people and encourage people to take the vaccine? And actually, the UK is much, much better in this regard than most other countries. We have much lower levels of vaccine hesitancy than, say, in the States or mainland Europe, which is a really good thing. So why don't we just try a little bit harder to get to those communities instead of just saying, it's fine, you're on your own. Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want 
Optimized for higher level analysis and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more. So you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more.